today's episode of the Gym Owners Fitness Business Podcast and the Women's Leaders Fitness Business Podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at our Ignite Fitness Business events. It was then uploaded into audio onto our podcast platform for you to enjoy. Today's episode is Mike Beanie from MyZone collaborating with our Fitness Business Technology panel consisting of Owen Bowling, our moderator, Olivia Milne from KeepMe.ai, Guy Williams from Precore, and Ben Rivett from Creative Fitness Marketing. We hope you enjoy our fitness business technology panel. So typically they either come from a technology perspective from the medical field, where they already have an application, or they come from the professional uh, athletic sports field into our business, or they come from kind of gaming and technology. So by looking at those other sectors, we can start getting an idea of some of the technologies we're going to start seeing in our business, whether that's next month, whether that's in six months, um, or whether that's in five years' time. Technology. Then press the button. So when we talk about technology coming into the business, heart rate monitoring is a great example. This is the watch that went with the first commercially available heart rate monitor. MyZone didn't develop heart rate technology, it was developed by Polar. This was back in the mid-70s that this device was first available. It was developed for skiers, for athletes to be able to track their intensity um, for their performance. So although we didn't invent heart rate technology, what we did is we took that technology 35 years later, launching MyZone by bringing that tech and morphing it into a model that would work in a commercial fitness operator. So how do you take the technology and turn it into a retention engagement tool that's going to solve a problem that operators have? For those that don't know MyZone, it's a wearable technology platform um, with the software you can see there in a gym, but also with an app, social platform, and a range of other aspects. We operate in nearly 70 countries, uh, across over 7,000 clubs. So again, it wasn't our technology, but we applied it into our sector. So outside of heart rate, what are the other trends that we're seeing in other sectors that we're likely to see over the coming years? Well, the first one, of course, we are hard to uh, escape, and in fact, it's already in our industry. It came, of course, from gaming, but the first virtual reality fitness studio opened in San Francisco last year. We've also seen other facilities that are already adopting this tech. Now, does that mean in a year's time that your fitness studio is going to be full of 30 people or having this imaginary fight um, with gloves on and the big goggles? Possibly not, but there's no doubt we will see this technology infiltrate into our business at some point. Equally, um, virtual uh, reality or creating an immersive experience isn't limited to having to wear a uh, headset or goggles. Um, this is the Les Mills Trip Program. Has anyone tried a trip program? So those that have experienced that, it's all about creating that immersive experience using audio-visual within your studio environment. So this is already live, it's already available and growing within studios. So couples are looking at how they can create that kind of experience within their club. I should add, now integrated Les Mills with my own heart rate technology. <laughs> We're also, of course, seeing digital platform delivery. And that's whether it's through an app streaming directly to the consumer, 
whether it's through an iPad, whether it's through a big screen, wherever that's being delivered, whether that's for trainers, whether that's for group exercise, whether that's for the consumer, this is probably the biggest area. Everything we see at the moment on the whiteboard will now move into a digital screen. And of course, it's already started developing into the platform at home. So those suppliers going direct to the consumer. Most people know the story of Peloton, commercial bike, at home, streamed entertainment, um, multi-billion dollar value company now. And we have those closer to home, even technology on out now launched to try and combat Peloton. So they're now making, uh, not making kit for your clubs, they're actually going direct to the consumer to try and sell them a bike to take on this market. There are lots of eyes on the consumer market and how that can grow. So overall, it's about looking at your technology, how can you use the audio, visual, those lights, those apps, and all those different aspects to create that immersive experience in your studio. Because if all those suppliers are providing that experience at home, you've got to be offering something more than the clubs, just an experience you can't replicate. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. This on-home or at-home streaming and supply could actually, of course, grow the pie. It could give access to those that don't currently come into our facilities that suddenly find exercise engaging and interesting because of VR or because of the stream service that suddenly gets them interested in moving and therefore they want to come into your bricks and mortars facility. Or, of course, you decide to stream your own content and your expertise out of The other thing we're seeing, of course, is the smart equipment. So a lot of movement around scanners, um, 3D technology, there's even smart yoga mats now that are connected to an app and tell you how you're doing in terms of your weight of each knee and each part of the body touching the mat. You can send a phone off, 10 burpees. <laughs> <laughs> and there's space for you just in front of you to do it. So the scanning technology is another area that we're seeing already heavy adoption in the industry. It's going to keep growing. In terms of wearable tech, the ACSM Global Trend Report for 2020 again showed wearable tech is up at number one. It's been there for the last four years, there and thereabout, and therefore it's not going away. Within wearable tech, again, it's going to grow, but it's also going to change. Um, perfect timing with the EMS suits here. We're seeing the ability of sensors to get smaller, they're getting more clever, they need less power, and therefore we have sensors that can measure now anything within the body. They're moving from something that's wearable a lot more towards patches and to clothing. So right on trend, this month MyZone launched its new version of its integrated apparel. This is smart tech that has built-in sensors and therefore you don't put the band on not to measure your heart rate. So that's available for those that are using or operating MyZone. What's the next step? Well ultimately wearables or beyond wearables, it won't start with a W, it will start with an I or an E. It'll be something either you ingest, this is actually already something used in the medical field, where you can swallow a device and it then monitors metrics from the inside and sends them to your doctor um, to monitor your um, digestion or health. Uh, injectables, embeddables, this technology is here and it's live, it's been tried already. It's just not generally in our clubs yet. But the big question is how long will it be, not whether this technology comes in. So what's the benefit of all of that data? All of these sensors, all of this measurement, all of this tech is creating a huge amount of data around our industry and about our members. But the key question is what we do with that. So we gather that data that drives knowledge. And the key thing though is whether that knowledge translates across to 
action into change. And AI, again, keeping a perfect fit within this in terms of actually the computer starting to learn and prompting that behaviour change rather than just having data and not knowing what to do with it. And of course, there's some bigger players, much bigger than any of us, also looking at this space. Those tech giants of Apple, Google, Fitbit, all getting into this space with your customers. The acquisition of Fitbit by Google for 2.1 billion, you could question that they're trying to get into the wearable space. Uh, the conspiracy theorists would tell you that all they really wanted was the data on the 28 million users that were wearing Fitbit around their wrist, because they want to see where they're going, they want to see what they're doing. The more they know about them, the better they can sell to them. I'll let you decide which is the right one. So I'll just wrap up before we go into the panel. Six points if you're looking to implement technology within your business. And this should apply quite broadly to any of the areas that I've just covered. So the first one is define as a business what it is you're trying to achieve and also how you're going to measure the impact that it's going to have. Uh, look at, think and reflect about whether you really are an early adopter that wants to be the first one that offers members the embeddable um, membership card or are you the late majority that's going to wait for everyone else to do it, wait for the technology to smooth out and then you jump in when it's much smoother. Um, think about the integration in your business. So think about what you currently operate, the systems you have, how is that going to fit and integrate in or is it something that's just going to fold onto the side. The last three, implementation process of technology business uh, across those uh, 7,000 plus. The key key for us is the technology, again, it's the implementation. Have a plan, whatever it is you're going to put into your business. You also need a champion that's going to follow that plan for you. And many times that's not the person that writes the check or the business owner, it's the people on the ground that are actually going to be using this tech to deliver better service to your members. And lastly, back to the point around the data. We already have a huge amount of data. By using things like AI, by CRM systems, that success and all of those, there's a lot of data there. It's really about being able to pull it through a dashboard that means we can actually do something with it. Thank you, Hannah Bajwan, for the panel. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have no slides, just questions. Mike, you're on your side, mate. Excellent. Thanks for that presentation, Mike. Really interesting. I might actually uh, start with you with a specific question um, because I've got the inside info on this. Um, so you talk about uh, my zone and, and integration, and one of the areas that, as you grow as a technology company, in fact any company, is always going to be around handling support. So I know uh, that you guys have recently released an AI chatbot to help initially help with with your support, I wanted to just ask you quickly about why you guys chose to do that, why as a business the decision was made, and if there's been, if there's any major challenges or what the opportunities are that that gives you. Okay, uh, I, think, I think the first thing to say is it's still really early day for us, we've literally just launched it over the last couple of weeks, and there's a second phase of the bot coming, uh, but already the initial feedback has been really key in terms of what we thought it would do in the business. Uh, the reason it fit for us is that we're quite unique. We have a 24-hour live desk support service. Uh, so we come and pick up the phone and there's always someone there. We haven't outsourced it. It was our direct, full-time, my own employee team. So we were really clear about doing that. But equally, we get 
over 20,000 inquiries every single week from my user base across, across the world. Um, having, because it's a tech, a lot of those questions, of course, are repetitive. It's the same people asking the same question. And if you're the consumer on the other end, you have a question, you just want an answer. You don't want to go through the website and try and find it or wait on the phone. So the fact we could resolve so many of those questions um, that were repeatable really quickly made it an obvious choice. It also translates into our 100 languages. So whatever language they input from our 67 countries, the support team get it in English, which helps. Um, and it then translates, translates it back. The initial feedback, again, two weeks in, we have an 80% containment rate. I was told that word, I have to look it up. It basically means that 80% of people that engage with our support service don't then go through to a ticket to our team because the bot answers the question, it's resolved it, or it automatically changes what they needed in the system, and therefore they don't need to physically talk to someone. And, and my last point is it then makes the job much more interesting for the support team, because those technically qualified team can get to the sharp end of the stuff they really need to deal with, that really need help, as opposed to answering the same question a hundred times. Excellent, and, and that actually brings up a point that I want to put to the whole panel. We can start this end with Guy. Um, so people have this, this, this preconceived idea about AI, probably largely because of TV and movies. In my experience, I've been working for two years. One of, one of the companies that, uh, that I'm part of is called the Bond Program. We've been, we've been working for two years building an AI platform that uses uh, messenger technology as a, as a virtual wellness system for gyms. And what became really clear in the development process was that currently, and this may change, but currently the best way to utilise AI is where you have AI and human integrated. Because the AI doesn't have the emotional maturity and, and understanding and the context understanding that we as humans have. It's incredibly complex. And so um, I'll put it to the, to the panel. How do you see the, the marrying of AI and humans together to be more powerful in, in the current technology environment that we have? Well, I, I really enjoyed what Olivia was saying earlier this morning about AI. It's got a lot of impressions in the media, and I'll actually in my slide later have a robot to kind of illustrate it, but um, I'll give you a simple example with Freecore. We've been using AI for 10 years with our connected consoles that the machines can actually tell you when something's wrong with them. We have self-diagnostics in the machine that then can give a human an action to follow. So the machine can say, hey, I'm broken, I know what's wrong with me, come fix me. Or it can say, I don't really know what's wrong, but I'm behaving abnormally, you might need to come check me. So there's a simple example of an AI that then can trigger a human interaction to actually get to that deeper understanding of what's going on. So the AI has been around us for a long time. We're all using it, maps, you know, all kinds of things. It's figuring out those practical applications that you can put into your business. And I love hearing what you guys are doing with my zone and it's giving me some ideas for our business. So that's, that's my take. Olivia, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think AI is great for spotlighting opportunities of area improvement, as you were saying, like whether it's a physical flag that's unbroken, or this class isn't doing particularly well for you, or this membership package isn't improving your retention. Um, but as I said, yeah, it still requires the human to kind of do something about it. We have Intercom, and we use that for a lot of our customer service, uh, and it's great. 
for those sort of stock answers and stock responses and something that's easy. But if there's a more complex issue that requires a level of understanding, whether that's from a client meeting that we've hosted or whether that's a call we have with a client, we have teams around the world that still monitor our intercom for those issues when they crop up. So I think, yeah, it's a marriage of the two, and that's the best way that we can use AI. Nice. So I'm going to go to more of a broad industry question, uh, and we'll start in the middle with Ben here. Uh, so what do you see as the current state of the fitness industry in terms of our use of technology? How, how are we doing? Look, I think we're doing okay, um, but I guess if we're looking at a mountain, we've sort of just we've got for the very start. Um, I think technology like MyZone has really showed the whole industry um, how well we can use technology to connect the clubs and the user. So I think coming into the future we'll see um, a lot more growth in, in this area um, because clearly there's a, there's a real hunger for people to, um, I guess, get that information and, and, and use technology to enhance their workout experience. Um, I do see a little disconnection from a marketing perspective, which is, which is my power space, um, between, uh, I guess, the, the clubs and the user in terms of connection. Um, as part of my role, I search, research hundreds of clubs and, and looking through their social media platforms and websites throughout the year. And I have to say, it's pretty average what I'm seeing out there. And I was really excited to see uh, your table today and, and really providing some education to everyone because what people are craving and what we're hearing from Facebook is, is video. And there's technology there that can really help people um, utilise that, that medium to connect better to the consumer. Nice. Uh, anyone else? State of the, of the industry when it comes to tech? Uh, I'll go. Um, I, I think we're at a crux that is a little bit concerning because we've got disruptive forces that are taking an eye on this industry, right? Um, you don't see a Peloton go to a $500 billion evaluation in less than five years without a reason, right? So there's tech giants outside this industry that are looking to come in and are hungry for your customers. And they're gonna take them however they can. So I think the, the thing that we have in our industry is that human element that we've all talked about this morning in many ways, but it's how do we use tech to help protect that social engagement that we're able to deliver in space, right? Versus people going home and standing in front of a mirror. So you need to think long and hard, how can you leverage technology to compete but you definitely need to pay attention to what the big boys are doing because they're coming hard. Because it all ties back to medical and at the end of the day, if they can make money, they're gonna find a way to do it. So this is something that I feel pretty strongly about. I'm interested to get the opinion of a few of you guys. As an industry, I feel like we do a really, really good job of servicing people that are kind of like us. So we do a lot of our facilities, our equipment, our marketing, our design, our experience, a lot of it is designed about helping fit people get fitter. A lot of the tech is really good for helping fit people get fitter. It's the, I'm at 80% and I want to improve another 5 or 10. It's DNA testing, it's all of this stuff. So what are the big, big holes and big, big opportunities that tech can serve in terms of helping us as an industry better service the 80 to 90% of people in most countries that are not actually engaging with us? I'll open it up to Mike, no pressure. Hmm. Uh, I think when you talk about those that aren't engaging, accessibility and um, particularly when we look at a global scale, cost accessibility, all of those things, 
although we talk about the at-home um, network potentially as a competition, it also obviously can grow high. And we're not talking about having to buy a five grand Peloton bike, we're talking about this. Yeah. You can actually stream something that's interactive that can give you the content and knowledge and understanding about how to do a workout. Um, it, it's all in here already. So I think actually that can open, um, open or, or grow the pie. But again, it's about driving accessibility. Yeah, I mean, I think when we see black technology, as you're saying, the bigger players kind of out of our industry coming in, I think sometimes that can be a good thing. Like ClassPass, for example, I think that opens opportunities for, as you said, people that aren't really in our demographic to then have exposure to different studios and different classes, but it's still up to us as the humans when they're in our space to then convert that person and make them stay with them full-time. So I think it can be, um, I think we can engage with kind of our non-fitness market in a way through technology, but it's just up to us once they're in our space and when they're in our environment to utilise them and convert them. Um, so again, coming back to marketing, but using technology to provide information about um, what's going to work for that particular market segment. What we were talking about. Yeah. So I think moving forward and, and what we do at CFM is um, we look to target different segments. So not just finding a fit person and putting them on a treadmill, pumping it out to the masses and hoping for the best. Really slicing out that market into different people. And we're finding that different, I guess, kinds of storytelling uh, is going to appeal to different segments. And then we finally get a better, uh, I guess, return for the dollar on the market by using that technology. Yeah, couldn't agree with that one more. Yeah, I think it gets back to accessibility as well. I mean, one of the big players that you may have heard of in the U.S., Planet Fitness, I mean, they've been disrupting based on price, and yet they are heavily involved in everything that they do. It's tech-driven. It's all data-driven. How they pick their locations, how they get their, their leases negotiated, where they market to, and how they market to their people. And they're bringing people into the marketplace that then, at some point, are saying, hey, this isn't enough for me. I want to go to a facility that's got more tech or has more staff, and, and they're going to pay more for it. And I always liken our industry a little bit to the food industry. When I was growing up, Sunday or a birthday was when I went out to dinner with my family, my dad and my mom, right? And now, it's like we're eating out three to four times a day. And yeah, maybe you're going for a quick smoothie, but then you sit down and you enjoy a nice steak dinner. So you're spending more than ever on eating out, but sometimes it's budget and sometimes it's expensive and some, sometimes it's boutique. So I, I see the accessibility of fitness really helping us grow the industry and it's how you fit in and how you differentiate that's gonna make the difference. Yeah, I like that analogy because um, I think a lot of the times we feel like our member can't really be a member anywhere else, otherwise we're not servicing, but if you think about a restaurant, you're not going to try and just capture one member and, and that, you know, they're not going to go to any other restaurant or cafe or bar, so yeah, that's a really nice way of, of putting it. Alright, what's coming? So let's look at one or two years versus five years. What are some of the, I mean, we, we saw a couple of predictions from you there, Mike, around chip technology, etc., but what do you guys see realistically, especially probably the next 12 to 24 months, that these guys here can really start to look at whether they're already implementing or whether it's something that they really need to pay attention to, what does the next 12 to 24 months look like opportunity-wise for, for tech, for business owners? Start with Guy. Um, I, we're, we're seeing a, a greater and greater connection of the gym. Um, you know, we've had connected cardio, we've had connected heart rate systems, um, and we're all being asked to integrate it, right? So there's a there's a lot of collaboration that's starting to happen in the industry, which is a good thing. Um, and we're starting to see more censoring going on throughout the club. 
So we're going to be launching, it's a, a pre-release for you, and Vivo and Ursa, we're going to be uh, launching a partnership that we have with Sony about being able to connect your entire gym to be able to sensorize not only weight stack equipment, but all the training zones you have and, and different things. So connecting the entire club is, is a big thing and I see coming in the very short term. Um, I guess uh, it probably relates back to the, the Vute panel a little bit before. And um, the ability and technology provides you uh, with getting a, a, a very large amount of members quite quickly. And there's people out there that I've spoken to personally that see huge opportunity in terms of boutique fitness. And, and they're seeing um, what the likes of their 45 body fit training uh, are charging per member. And they're sitting there saying, okay, we can provide um, a similar level of service at perhaps half the price or, or 60 to 70% of the price. Which talks to what Planet Fitness have done, right? Yeah. 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 So they, they then know based on um, the data they can get through technology and through digital marketing that they can get to break even in three weeks. Um, and that, you know, being someone that's been in the industry 12 years, um, early days people had a break even point of, of, of two years, and now they can do it in four weeks. So I think that just opens up the playing field to a lot of people. Interesting. Olivia? Yeah, I mean, I think, just going back to what Guy said, I think about <coughs> connecting every part of the journey for us. I mean, we focus specifically um, initially at protection, but we can take it kind of way before that, even sales process before they even come and with us and that's coming a lot through what the guys in my time are doing and I think linking the filling in the gaps that we currently have in terms of member journey and member experience is only going to come from connecting more and more data touch points whether that's from workout data to uh, Facebook analytics from social ads that then fed that person to us so I think it's just building that overall picture and that's something that technology is kind of allowing us to do in a way that we haven't been able to before. Nice. I'm going to move to Mike in a second but I want to just dig down on something you said. So analyzing a collection of data across multiple different sources. If you're a gym and you're looking to create a digital strategy or you've got your digital strategy and you want to implement some level of AI analysis, etc., you've currently got all these silos, and Brian O'Rourke talks about this, having all these kind of data silos. How do you guys see that problem being solved? Is it a, the gym has to just tackle it themselves, or is there going to be a third party provider that comes in to start consolidating these data sources? I'd obviously say we are the third party. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I think what the, the clever thing about what Keep Me does and generally AI models, um, but let's just stick to ours as I know it more familiar, um, they basically, the AI will decide it's not relevant. So the more um, kind of platforms you have, the more data touch points you have, whether that being from my zone data, whether that being from um, yeah, social analytics, or any of these kind of data touch points, NPS scores, for example, from a different platform, you feed everything into the model and it will basically tell if it's relevant or if it's going to affect that number. So I think, yeah, it's, at the moment we find a pain point of operators that are dealing with all these different platforms and it's kind of confusing. Um, so I think there is never, uh, I don't see the negative of having all in one centralised place, especially as it is feeding into the model and making it more intelligent. Um, so yeah, I definitely see it all being much more integrated, but it's not something that manually we need to do anymore, it's something that like an AI model would do for you. Great. All right, now this is your opportunity for a sneak peek. First, like running integration, I mean, I just agree. Uh, you know, the integration is going to be a key bit um, because at the moment all that data is fragmented, so it's not necessarily helping the operator. You've got the, the data you don't know what to do with it, uh, and I think that's interesting. And we 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 offer open API to come to the party. Interestingly, some um, operators don't. Uh, sorry, some providers don't 
they want you to be in their ecosystem, they want to own the, your, the data about your members, so they're not necessarily coming to the party. So though, although we talk about, yeah, integration is great, not everyone's playing the game. So I think as an operator, it's really key to understand that, to say, do you play with others because I want to be doing this and this potentially down the line. How do I put it all together? Because some will say, no, we, we do this and that's it, you can do something else. Um, with someone else, there's nothing to do with us. So I think as an operator, that fragmented bit is around what the suppliers do, but also what the operators want and asking the right questions. Yeah, and I think that is a that is a key consideration in terms of integratability. When no one platform, even though there are some amazing platforms out there, no one platform is going to give you all the data across all of the different areas that you need. And if it doesn't integrate, then again, you, you're going to be slightly in the dark in certain areas. And hopefully, you know, products like Keepme can help break down some of those barriers. Yeah, and I think a lot of that actually just from our experience actually stems from the operator being proactive and asking. Um, I know she said a lot of the institutions are kind of closed off, but it's only the only change is never going to come from disruptors like us. They're like, no, but it's going to come from operators demanding it from them, which is at least they can do because it's going to improve their overall member experience. So, yeah, I think that change has to be driven as much as it can be from our side, but also from operators demanding what they deserve from the platforms that they're currently using. Nice. Okay, so last one, then we'll open up to questions if we have time. Uh, number one recommendation if you're a owner operator manager in the fitness industry in Australia right now in regards to technology, whether it be strategy, whether it be implementation, whether it be research, what would be your top tip for people this year to just have must do for them? And we'll start with one. Uh, I'm not going to name one technology, but I think it would involve screens in your facility. When you walk into your gym at the moment and all you have is Sky Sports on, that's not engaging your members. There are so many different software and technologies available that you can deliver something that will engage members. So I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna reference one starting with M and ending in either, because <laughs> there are many others. But put those screens in, if your members are already there, they're already using screens, they're already engaged with it. If you're not offering your gym, then you're actually behind the curve. So go into your gym, have a look. If the only screen is playing the news, that's not very interesting for the member. There's so many other things you could be doing. Nice, Olivia, number one thing? Um, I think mine would just be more of a mind shift. Um, just don't fear technology. I think um, I used Keep Me, for example, um, before I joined the team, and there was an aspect of like, oh, God, it's, well, the stats are something I don't know about, and this visibility, it can be daunting. Um, but I think, yeah, as I said before in my speech, you know, Technology is not here to replace human expertise. It isn't. It literally can't operate in isolation. So I think just knowing that and knowing that all it is doing is complementing the efforts that you and your team are making makes it kind of something not to fear and something more to embrace and move forward. Nice. Uh, for me, it's really simple, but just implementing a digital marketing plan. I can't believe how many club owners I speak to just don't have any idea and they sort of put it in the too hard basket. But the reality is that we know how much time everybody speaks on the phone, you're just able to hit people with your message at the right time. So sitting there and, and, and coming up with a plan, and, and I saw a little sheet there, five to ten videos per day should be what you should be aspiring to. Come up with a plan so you have to you can take the thought process out of it. So you're not sitting there having to be creative every morning before you've had your coffee. You can just sit there and go, okay, this morning we're taking a live video of the class and we're putting it across. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and perhaps sort of TikTok soon. Um, so just putting together a digital marketing plan, um, and if you don't have the expertise to do that, get help to do it. It'll be worth your while. Yeah, that's what's going to be my follow-up. Yeah, a lot of club owners just go, oh, I just can 
cannot look at the Facebook backend and just so in that instance hire someone. Yeah. Go on, number one thing. I, I would say it, it gets back to a little bit of what Steve's been talking about today about KPIs. Um, you need to have a really good plan around your KPIs and I like to take it a little bit forward as he had as leading indicators. So what are the results you're looking for and then what technology are you going to use to help you understand the leading indicators that are going to get you there, right? Sometimes it's a member management system, sometimes it's social media, sometimes it's AI, it might be my zone, it might be the fitness equipment. You know what your objectives are. Set them and then figure out how to measure to get there and there's technology out there to help you do it. So just choose the platform that you feel like you can afford, that you can implement well, and your teams can get behind. Because data drives everything these days. Nice. So my one would be recognizing that technology can't replace what humans do. But oftentimes we have subpar humans doing the thing that only humans can do. <laughs> and, and that's a polite way to put it. So what can technology take over in your facility from marketing automation to processes to admin tasks to repetitive things that allows you then to invest more in world-class rockstar people? That would be my number one tip. Find ways to automate where you can so you can invest more in amazing people because technology will not replace them. Okay, questions? First of all, I think it's great how you describe something as subpar. It's just <laughs> 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 subpar human brutal thing. You know? with, with, with tech based, obviously, we know that tech, uh, as it is, kind of brings in a certain demographic. It's probably suitable for a certain demographic and person at the moment, and how it is that we've got the feedbacks behind it. The largest growing demographic in Australia and in most places in the world is the aging demographic. So do you see a gap there that you're going to fill, or are we just leaving the 65 plus market to do their thing and we're going to focus down the chain? Yeah, who wants to take that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll start on that one. That is, that is a misnomer like you can't even believe. Yep. Um, we started putting touch screens in facilities 10 years ago, and I had the same exact assumption when I started. And literally, one of our biggest demographics for using touch screens is the over 55 plus. Yep, so you have to realize. What happened was a lot of them didn't learn computers, but they've had to learn smartphones, right? That's the way they connect with their grandkids, they're Facebooking, they're, you know, they're FaceTiming. So they're learning swipe technology. So I get back to what you were saying earlier about screens. Screens is where it's at, you know, screens and, and information coming to people and then being able to digest small video segments of things. That's going to drive every age segment. Yeah, sorry, I don't disagree on the, the screen part of thing, but you're 100% right. Uh, I think more around if we look to potential future technologies, wearable technology, phone chat, uh, watch technology, uh, ingesting technology, uh, do you see a gap in that, that specific part of it? I, again, I see lots of older adults that are very diligent about filling out their workout cards. You show them a new way they can do it electronically and it's easier to do, they gravitate to it. So no, I, I think you know, you're always going to have some that are going to say no, but I see a much bigger segment saying yes. I don't know what you guys are saying, but I think the other thing with the things like the talk about the injectables, the embeddables, and they actually come from the medical field. They're already being used there. So they're so used already. Well, yeah. not, not necessarily, but I think we're going to see it there first. And that there's a lot of hesitation around that, and it's not in our sector yet. 
but it's going to become the norm in medicine because you can do so much more with yeah. those technologies in terms of sensing and monitoring. So it will be, it won't be as scary a thing as it is now by the time it gets to the fitness industry, at least that perspective of where we're going. Yeah, sure. Uh, probably for Mike, because your tagline is retention. Um, yeah, it's interesting, we've got a bit of tech up here, but there's no longer retention, so it's two different types of things. So when you look at body scan, that's one of our key things we offer our members. What do you believe the retention, the increase of retention is by having a, a body scan or a mind zone attached to what they're doing in their workout to get the results? Because that's, that is a technology type thing. Yeah, sure. I think to put a number on it, in terms of what is the retention gain is, is a really hard thing to do because of course there are so many variables around the implementation of that technology, the type of facility, the type of member. Uh, I, I think however the, that, that simple concept of uh, firstly having a short term goal which isn't I want to lose X number of kilos over, you know, before the wedding in however many months whether it's that they want to see what their next scan is going to be or how many points they've achieved or their status level, the power of that gamification is huge and you can see it at so many different levels. How that translate in, translates into actual retention, uh, again, can, can vary. I mean, we have, we have got some stats on uh, retention that showed 20, um, a big cohort showed 25% increase in retention, length of stay. Um, for uh, members that then start using MyZone compared to the control study that we're making. So that's the only figure I can put out, and that's across multiple studies. In terms of the scanning technology, I'm sure there's data out there, but I'm not sure what their number would be. Do you believe in acquisition? People come and they'll do like their functional training, and that's, you know, do they come to us for that, or do you think they're going to come more for the body scanning that attracts people? Uh, I, I think some technology is, we talk about the concept of swimming pool. You know, someone joins and go, oh, you've got a swimming pool. Yeah, can you swim? Uh, I still join you because you've got some input. Um, so that idea of just having a USP, but the important thing is then how you again implement that USP and actually change the experience, not just having it on your website to say this is these are the things that we offer. Um, so I think it attracts people in the first place, but you have to then get them utilising that tech, or you have to be utilising that tech for it to actually have an impact on retention. Getting them on, in the door is one, but it's actually using it that will keep. I'd also add, if you want to talk to anyone about the implementation strategically and then rolling that out of using a body scanner to massively improve a whole bunch of different metrics, James, Nadine, or Fiona, what they did at YMCA um, was, was pretty awesome. They've got some great stats around the, the direct impact that it had. I don't think it's a scanner, it's the conversation after the scanner. It's not the product, it's, it's the journey. The journey. There's a lot of scanners out there. We can argue who scans better, who takes one better. Yours and the journey. And look, to be honest, look, we, we advocate a lot. We hold to competitive, we advocate it. Our product is a 3D scanner that's looking at postural assessment and all sorts of factors that, no offense to the fitness industry, but most people, it's too much. Yeah. Too much information for that that journey. Our journey is more in allied health and other sectors. It holds really quick, really effective hours. I've got to take your clothes off and just be around these. So, but the data that gives you is far greater. So, you know, Ed and the Evolve team do a really great job and, you know, whether it's our fit radio or that Evolve, the products are relevant, it's the journey that you create, the conversation. <coughs> so the comment you made around 
automating to invest more into staff, I think the body scanners is the perfect example. I don't want my rockstar employee going around TV with you anymore. Automate that, then have my rockstar staff having a conversation around what these metrics mean. Yep. Ken, you had a question? I uh, just wanted to make a, a statement in regards to wearables and technology from the aging demographic. They're using it more and more and more. They want it simplistically, but they also want to know the why. So um, they're looking more at sleep metrics. They're looking at tracking things with their grandkids. They're looking at things that they can use. So the amount, even in the last six months of, of the clients that I'm seeing and the people in this demographic, um, 100 200% increase from a Fitbit because it's it's simple stuff that they're using. And the point of the, the big people coming in, Apple's at the forefront of this, they're really, really focusing on that side from a medical perspective. And um, this demographic in particular, from a body scan, they want to know about their bone density, they want to know about things like that. They're not interested about how much fat they're carrying. They don't care how they look better, they want to feel better, but they also want to know the why. So, it's important that if you're looking at this area that you should really understand why they're integrating that, 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 the tech in it. But wearables is, is the biggest growing thing, uh, especially in this demographic as well. They want to understand it, but they don't want to know the technicality of it. So keep it simple, give them the whys and see how it benefits their lives, and you're absolutely on a winner. So um, with the, the scans and everything like that, it's, it's the benchmark, it's something that they can see, the gamification, they're not interested in other people, but they secretly want to know what other people are doing so that they can know where they're comparing to, uh, that's all. Nice. Any final questions in the room? Yeah. <laughs> Alright guys, well thank you very much and I believe it's time for lunch. <laughs>